Hebrews 12, verse 14. The Bible says very clearly, follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men and holiness. And notice that last phrase. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's pray. Father, oh, how we need you today. How we love your word. And Father, I pray that we will realize how serious our God is when you speak and require holiness. Father, help us to achieve that every day in our lives. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. And we'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We spent quite a bit of time on this topic. And one of the reasons I have is because I believe it's a topic that's important because God's Word says it is. But the sad thing is, a lot of churches ignore holiness. I know you drive down the road, you'll see a a holiness church. And I want to tell you, a lot of holiness churches don't live holy either. Holiness is, is more than a name, it's a lifestyle. It's a life being obedient to the Word of God. It's a life that honors God, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. It's a life that takes God's word serious and wants to live by his commands and his uh, precepts. (laughs) No wonder the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see The Lord. Now, while there's still a debate going on about who wrote Hebrews, now if our brother and friend in Christ Kojo were here, he'd clear it up for you. (laughs) He'd tell you that Paul did it. And that's all right. But we don't know for sure. But I do know that it's God's Word. And I don't know why it strikes me the way it does. Because sometimes we forget God's Word is not written to sinners. It's written to the church, to people who are born again. And so God says, if you are born again, you need to have peace with all men, and you must have holiness, because without it, you will never see the Lord. No man shall see the Lord. Let me ask this question again. How many want to see the Lord? Well, I do. And if we are not living holy lives, the Bible is very clear. It's not ambiguous. We will not see the Lord. Now, I am glad this morning for the assurance of salvation. Amen. I'm glad that I can know I can know, I can know that I'm saved. And I hope you know you're saved. I hope that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have been born 
again. And I also realize because I am born again, because I am a child of God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, I now have an obligation to live a holy life before the Lord. It's not an option. It's not if I want to. I have an obligation to be holy before the Lord. We don't hear it preached a lot in our churches today, especially in America, because we have been bombarded, I think, from the devil to be seeker-friendly. Now, by the way, I am convinced that folks are to come as they are. But I don't want them to leave the same way. I, don't, I want them to leave this building knowing they're met with God. That they've sensed the presence of God. And that God is willing to change their lives. And so, I still believe, even today, in this modern world, we need to preach holiness. We must not back down, because if without holiness... The Bible is very clear, no one will see the Lord. But also I've discovered in my walk with God and the Word of God, and by the way, this is my final authority, not my experience. But I understand after walking with God these many years and studying His Word, the Bible is speaking about personal holiness. Personal Holiness. And God wants me personally to make holiness a priority in my life. One of these days, and it won't be long, I am going to stand in the presence of God. And the Bible teaches that no one, no one can stand before God unless they are sinless. And one of these days, I'm going to stand before God and praise His holy name. I will be sinless. Amen. Because without that, without holiness, no man and stand before God. And my prayer would be today that we would wrap our minds around that and see how serious that is. And if we would do that, I think we would stop justifying the way we live. We would get serious about pleasing the Lord, in every area of our lives. And my prayer is that God would never allow us to forget how serious He is about holiness. And if we will simply focus on that thought, I can't think of a better motivator to push us to holy living than to know Without it, we'll never see the Lord. I think preachers need to be holy before the Lord. 
I think God's people, every one, need to be holy before the Lord. We spoke some time about preaching several weeks ago, and I'm part of that. But God expects us all to be holy before the Lord. And I want to tell you, folks, it breaks my heart of what I see going on in churches in America today. What we are allowing in our churches that we wouldn't allow 20 years ago. God expects the church to be holy as well. Last week we read the command, it's very clear, 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. How many understand that? Is it ambiguous? Is it a suggestion? <clears throat> Absolutely not, it's a command. It is a clear command from God. Now remember, if you're born again, those of us who have been born again, we have been set apart by God. And because we are set apart, I want to tell you today, folks, we are to live different than this world lives. Amen? We're to live distinct lives, and our lives must be dedicated to a life of holiness before our God. I've asked this question several times over the last few weeks. Somebody tell me, how holy is God? Amen. Holy, holy, holy. Perfect holiness. Perfect holiness. And that perfect holiness sets God apart from any other creature. And yet that same God who is holy, 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 He has called you and I as His children to be holy as well. And I want to tell you folks, God is serious about that. He is very serious about that. So God says to me, I want you to live your life in response to my holiness. And so my life needs to be lived in response to His holiness. Both God is my example. Not you, not anyone else, not Billy Graham. God has set the example. Now I've got to tell you, that's a daunting task. Be you holy for I am holy. Be holy like I am holy, the holy, holy, holy God. But the great news is we're not on our own. God has given us, filled it with the Holy Spirit to help us in our walk in holiness. Now remember, it's only by the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ that you're saved to begin with. But thank God once we're saved, He doesn't abandon He lives in us. We heard the good news of Christ. We heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God made it come alive in our hearts. And now the Word of God and the Spirit of God is working. And the goal is to form God's character in our lives. And my friend, if you're not more like God today than you were yesterday, there's something wrong in your walk with God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And so if we are set apart by God, and if you're born again, you are set apart by God, 
understand we're, we're to be used by God and God has separated us from our old common way of living. Folks, I am not the man I used to be. Amen. Amen. Because now I am following God's command to be holy. Now let me put a disclaimer there. I'm not where I ought to be yet. And I realize every day God's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. But the key to this whole holiness thing is that we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And remember, folks, God never forces us to do anything. Spirit of God will convince, He will convict, He will draw, but He will never, ever make us do anything against our will. So we have to be yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need to live every day in the mindset of how vital holiness is. Without it, we will not see the Lord. Now, we introduced this part of our message several weeks ago, but I want to say it again. Too many Christians, too many, are living in active, willful sin today. Now, think about that. And this has to stop. We studied Josiah this morning in Second Kings and he, how he brought reform to the nation of Judah. Josiah read the book of the law and he realized they needed to do something, not next week, not next month, but now. Folks, now is the time to come clean before God. Now is the time to repent and draw near to God. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about some slip of our tongue, uh, a misspoken word, uh, you know, whatever it might be. I'm talking about when we continually live our lives in such a way it goes against the Word of God. I don't care how much excuses you make. I don't care how much you try to justify it. I don't care how hard you try to rationalize it. Folks, if God's Word says it's wrong, it's wrong for me to do it, and it's wrong for you to do it. Amen. Hands down. Don't try to gloss it over. Now, we began a couple of weeks ago, we're going to, just going to touch just for a second, on sexual sins. We spoke about adultery. A Christian has no business involved in that. We talked talk about living together before marriage. A Christian has no business being involved. It's sin before God. You're living in rebellion against God's Word. We talked about pornography. A child of God has no business being involved in that. We spoke a little bit last week about homosexuality. Folks, that's a sin against God. But also understand, there's no greater sin. Sin is sin. And God can forgive sin. Amen? Okay. Uh, I was going to spend some time on transgenderism. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'll do that another time. But even that, we need to talk about it sometime because it, it goes against the Word of God. The bottom line is this. All sexual sin is rebellion against God. And my friend, if you continue to live in that, whatever it is, it will destroy you, it will destroy your family, and it will destroy your relationship with God. Hands down. 
So of all those things we've talked about, no sexual sin of any type should be embraced by those who claim to be children of God. All of these things are against the word of God. And anyone who lives that way is living in disobedience before God. And you will never see the Lord. Now, by the way, you probably haven't noticed this. I'm being sarcastic. How the media has bombarded, bombarded us with sexual images, innuendos. How they're trying to convince us that this is all right, that that is all right. But how many know the media doesn't set our standard for life? God does. But the sad thing is, they're trying to convince us that these are okay. But, and I know the enemy, Satan, has trapped the world into believing this. But how many know he's trying to deceive the church? People like you and I into believing this. And I want to tell you, too many Christians, too many who claim to be Christians, are caught up in sexual sins on a daily basis, and if they ever hope to see God, that has to stop, and it has to stop now. It has to stop. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Whatever it is that we're involved with, if the way that we live is contrary to the Word of God, it is sin. Now, by the way, a definition of the word sin, it simply means to miss the mark. Miss the mark. How many know... If you miss the mark by this far, you miss the mark. Or this far, you miss the mark. And I can hear somebody say, well, Pastor, I've been involved in adultery. I don't live together. I, I'm not struggling with those things you talked about. But may I say, we're still missing the mark. God has a high standard. Now, I realize God loves us. Amen. But if we are living in sin in open Willful sin. Yes, God loves us, but I want to tell you, He's not happy. <clears throat> he is not happy with us. Now remember, I'm not looking at things the, the world's embracing. We expect that. These are things that God says is sin, and the church is beginning to embrace them, and God says it is wrong. And let me share this this morning, folks. If the church, you say, well, preacher, I'm not sure the church embraces those things. Well, I want to suggest to you, if the church was not embracing those things, the church would look a lot different than it does today. Amen. We'd have people living holy lives. People honoring God's word. And so if the church wasn't embracing, we'd look a lot different. If the church was not embracing those things, it would be preaching different than the way it preaches now. Well, preacher, don't talk about sin. That drives people away. 
Tell them this is their best life. That's a lie from the devil. If you're a child of God, the best is yet to come. Now, by the way, if you're unsaved, this is your best life. Amen. But if you're a child of God, uh-uh, this is not my best life. It's been good. Amen. God's been good to me. In fact, I think God is good all the time. Amen. But it's not my best life. If the church really preached holiness, it would preach different than they do today. But not only that, how many know if you preach God's word and you preach the truth, you're a bigot. You're, 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 you're uh, spewing hateful things. But if the church wasn't embracing the things they're embracing today, the church would receive good preaching. They would hear the word of God. All right, we kind of address sexual sins, but how many know there's more sin than sexual sins? Amen. Galatians 5, verse 18 through 21. Now, I do know that Paul wrote this one, okay? But it's, a God, it's, it's the Word of God. And the Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, Paul says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, by the way... Uh, most of us have memorized those verses. We talk about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. I know that some of our young ones had memorized them several years ago. Most of us memorized them or at least have the gist of what they're saying. But I think it would do us all good not just to read but to take heed of what Paul says here. Every once in a while, we need to do an inventory of our lives. A life that is lived under the direction of the Holy Spirit is completely different than the life I used to live following my simple desires. Now, that list that Paul gives, it's amazing. And we get hung up on the sexual part of it. But how many know there's more things than that in that list? And you might say, well, that's, that's not me. That's not me. But I'll guarantee you somewhere in this list, we're there. Somewhere in this list, we are there. And every one of those, no matter which ones they are, I mean, every one of those that Paul lists, all of those sins, and Paul said it's evident, they come directly from our own sinful human desires. So once you identify the behavior, look at the list. Once the behavior has been identified, we know it's a source. The source is our own 
sinful desires. Sins like sexual immorality. Things like idolatry. That means putting anything before God. Sins like hatred. Oh, boy. Think about that. Things like discord. Things like jealousy. Things like fits of rage. Things like selfish ambition. And envy. (laughs) And it's interesting, and Paul says, unless you think this is a, a complete list, Paul adds, and things like these. So I ask you today, what's going on in your life? Not what's in your wallet, what's in your life? You say, preacher, well, I don't have certain things in there, but I'll guarantee you there are some things there. Notice again the last part of verse 21, Galatians 5. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things, help me out here, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I have to ask you, can the Bible be any clearer than that? And Paul gives a list that's not even all-inclusive here, not exhaustive. Paul says if you do if you're caught up, if, if those are a habitual lifestyle of yours. You will not see the kingdom of God. Do you understand what Paul's saying? He is saying, if these things are a habitual, willful part of your life, you are not born again. That's what he's saying, folks. You will not see the kingdom of God. So why would I say that? How many know pornography will not send you to hell? How many know telling a lie will not send you to hell? What sends you to hell is because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And Paul is implying here very strongly, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, these will not be habitual in your life. You're doing everything you can, and with God's help, to rid yourself of those kind of lifestyles. That's how you know you're born again. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine and ten. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Wow! Can I ask you again, is it clear? 
If we are living those kind of lifestyles, if we're embracing any of those, the Bible says we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Now remember, Paul's not writing to the world, he's writing to the church. People who name the name of Christ. And every day of our lives, we see that going on in the marketplace. We see it going on in our places where we're employed. We see it in our neighborhood. But sometimes, we see it in the mirror. We see it in the mirror. And so many of these sins are being practiced in the church. And I want to tell you, folks, the Bible says these things ought not be named among us. And Paul wrote the first letter to the Corinthians, the first one we have recorded. Paul said, you're doing things that pagans won't do. Huh. That's the church. Not the world. The church. And if these things are going on in our lives, we will not see the kingdom of God. Matthew 23, verse 33. You know, Jesus was always seeker-friendly. Did you ever notice know that about him? He watched his words. Look what he says. I'm being sarcastic there. He says, you serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Now, wow. Some years ago, I, I took one of Dale Carnegie's classes, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, believe it or not, I scored the highest in that, in that particular class. But you know what? Jesus never learned that class. He never took that lesson. <laughs> he never had that eight-week course that I took. But you know what? He wasn't, he wasn't worried about winning friends. He was worrying, worrying about keeping people out of hell. He was concerned that people might have eternal life. And I know he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the day, those who should have known better. And he called them a generation of vipers. And he's very clear to them. He says, you will never escape the damnation of hell. So I want to tell you this morning, we have another word there, another H word. That nobody talks about. Holiness in hell. And how many know that holiness and hell are complete opposites? They are complete opposites. Hell is a place of weeping and wailing. A place of gnashing of teeth. Hell is a place where the worm never dies. A place where the fire is never quenched. And the Bible says the smoke of torment arises up forever, ever, and ever. And we have to realize that anyone who lives in open rebellion to God, anyone who lives in willful, continual rebellion to His Word, 
anyone who lives a lifestyle the Apostle Paul spoke about are going to find themselves eternally separated from God in a devil's hell. And my friend, I believe hell is literal. I believe there'll be pain there, but I'll be the greatest pain at all of all there. It's going to be the fact that God is not going to be there. He is not going to be there. Quite a few years ago, Pam and I had been saved very long, and one of our sisters, was, my sisters, was visiting with us. And she said to me, we were concerned about my dad, of course, and she said, I, I just can't believe that God would send my dad to hell. How many know that when people go to hell, God doesn't send them there. They go there by their own choices. God says, come to me, and I'll give you eternal life. So, people are sent to hell by their own choices. They have separated themselves from the things of God for eternity by the choices they make. And I want to repeat what I said earlier. Too many Christians are living in willful, open sin, and it has to stop now. There has to be, and there must be, repentance. Don't hear that much anymore, do you? Especially among Christians. Well, preacher, I repented 25 years ago. i got to tell you a secret. And hope, <laughs> this is one of the times I hope nobody was watching on, on, online. But I have to repent daily. Amen. I wish I didn't have to, but I have to. And repentance, the word is metanoia. It's a revolving of the mind, a changing of our mind. A changing of the way we walk, the way we live. There must be repentance. We need to turn away from sin and we need to turn to Jesus Christ. My friend, if you're a child of God, we've been called to live holy lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us His Word, thank God, and He's given us His Holy Spirit to help us live those holy lives. And make no mistake about it, I want to tell you something, folks. We do not live sinless lives, but we ought to sin less. And the call here, the call of God, we are not asked to live perfect lives, but we're called to live blameless lives. We are called to keep short accounts with God. Amen. Now, by the way, don't abuse grace. Amen. I'm glad for grace, but don't abuse it. Do you realize if you're a child of God, we have been given a robe of righteousness? Somebody say amen. And we have to strive to keep that robe spotless before God. Now the good news is, not if, but when we do sin, we can run to God. Aren't you glad for that? We can run to God for forgiveness and cleansing. 1 John 1, 9, you know where I'm going with that one. If we confess our sins, by the way, that word confess means to agree with God. Lord, well, maybe if I've sinned or, or maybe if I've hurt some. No, not if. I agree. I did. I have sinned, Lord. I, I, agree. I confess my sins. 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I know you've heard this before, and I can't say that I remember reading in the Scripture. Maybe I did. But it came to my mind the other day when I, when I was making my outline. I believe confession is good for the soul. Isn't that true? Oh, how much better I feel when I come clean before God. I know He knows already. I know He knew ahead of time. But how much better it is to know that things are okay between me and God. You see, the danger is there are too many Christians who are living in active rebellion against God. And the danger is they're trying to justify the way they live. Folks, if God's Word says it's wrong to live that way, it's wrong. And I don't care how hard you try, I don't care how long you try, you'll never justify it in the sight of God. It cannot be Okay, preacher, you've already said we're going to sin. That's true. But let me clarify something. Yes, I know we are going to sin. I'm not home yet. But there's a difference than that kind of sin and living an active, ongoing, willful sin in our lives. I want to remind you this morning, my heartbeat is to please the Lord in everything that I do. And I have to confess, I don't always do that, but oh, I always want to. I want to please Him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. That's the ideal. Don't do it. But he goes on and says, If any man sin, here's the good part. We have an advocate. Amen. An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I see what time it is. You've already quit listening. But give me just another minute or two, okay? John has spent the first chapter of this epistle talking about how heinous sin is. What it does to us. And John's goal was that we might read that and realize how awful sin is. And have a desire to stay away from it. <laughs> now remember, John said, if, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth and God, the truth's not in you. So don't tell me you won't have sin. But there's quite a bit of difference between that kind of sin and living in active, willful sin. First John 3, 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. John's talking about habitual, willful rebellion against God's word there. 
So where does that leave us? Paul wrote to the church of Corinth and he said this, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. Church, I think it's time we examine ourselves. And we have to remember, we're to pursue holiness. But holiness is a gift from God. He has given us a robe of righteousness. He expects us to keep that clean. And I want to tell you, we have to pursue holiness or we won't see the Lord. I think it's time and high time to lay aside those garments that are stained with sin. And be washed in the blood of the Lamb. So my question this morning is this. Are you prepared to meet Him? Let's stand together. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. Are you ready to meet him? Father, we've shared your word this morning, and it is your word, it's not mine. And I pray, Lord, that we'll allow the Word of God to have free course in our lives. I pray that we'll allow the Spirit of God to convince and convict where it's needed. And I pray that all of those who name the name of Christ will come clean before God today. Without it, no man will see the Lord. Speak to hearts as only you can. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a song just of invitation? Folks, God is good. He's holy.